When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Going to get in all kinds of trouble today. Chris, just get ready on the phone lines. 877-377-4373. We are going to get to the brand spanking new 
Riots in D.C., riots in Philly, riots in Brooklyn. We're getting to all that. We'll get to this Hunter Biden, Tony Bobolinsky audio. We're pulling a bunch of that for you. That is explosive. But first, let's say something that nobody ever says anymore. Let's go to Portugal. <laughs> Quick, Chris, we can make jokes. As listeners of this show know, it's fun to make fun of Portugal. Basically because no one really thinks about it anymore. But there was a time when Portugal was big time. Now, how did that happen? It's not difficult when you look geographically at places. And it's, I mean, you can solve so many problems by just, just looking geographically at places. You can get great explanations. It's not hard to figure out why England would be big time. Big island, prep a navy, get the right culture in there, you do fine. Same with places like France. Look at all the absurdly, absurdly wealthy territory there. China. There's a reason China's been wealthy and powerful forever. Look at it. You can see. You have eyes. How did Portugal ever become big time? Look at them. It's not as if they were markedly different back then. They're like a pimple on the rear end of Europe. They don't even own the own peninsula. Spain has most of it. How did Portugal get big time? Well, Portugal used that one thing that has helped nations advance throughout the history of mankind, that has helped individual people advance throughout the history of mankind. In fact, you can make the argument this one thing has done more to help man and nations themselves advance than any other thing in the history of mankind. And that thing is necessity. What if you're Portugal? What if you are a pimple on the rear end of Europe? You don't have much, right? You don't even have your own peninsula. You don't have anything Oh, gosh, we're stuck here on the end, and oh, gosh, we're just pretty much surrounded by water. Wait a minute. We're surrounded by water. Maybe we should get in it. Maybe we should figure out how to do that thing better than anyone else did. And Portugal began to do that. You see... The history, and I'm going to way oversimplify this, as you know I do, the history of navies, of ships, of of naval warfare, of shipping itself, it really kind of goes from, well, let's stay on the lake. All right, let's get in the ocean, but not too, not too far. We've only got oars here. All right, that, those those couple oars in this smaller ship worked really well. What if we got a bunch of oars on a bigger ship? That'll work well. 
Oh, shoot, we want to fight their ships. Uh, hey, let's ram them. Let's just ram them. I'm not making that up. You realize that used to be naval warfare. They would put gigantic heavy pieces of bronze on the end of ships, and they would just run into each other. They would just run into each other. I'm still blown away by that. I'm sorry, what's the plan? We're to, Okay, all right. Or they would ride beside the other ship. You know, you can picture an old, old, you know, Greek-style vessel with with oars pointed out the side, and they would try to run right alongside it and shear off the oars, disabling the other ship's ability to move. I mean, how how primitive is that? We're just hey, let's try to break the oars today and trade. And defense of said trade and defense of nations means people started experimenting. What if we made the ships a little wider? What if we made them a little deeper? What if we made them a little longer? What if we made them heavier? What if we made them lighter? How far out into the ocean can we go? What if, wait, what if we added some sails? Well, if we didn't have to row, what if, I mean, the wind's blowing. Why can't we use the wind? And then things advance in that way. However, necessity. Necessity helps us grow. The lack of necessity can make us stagnant and stale. And as you're about to find out today, the lack of necessity can be deadly. You see, the situation on the ground, think 1400s. Our story is going to take place 1509, so just 1500. Fine. The situation on the ground is this Spain's powerful. The regular European nations are powerful. This is a time, though, where the Ottoman Empire is really, really powerful. They are a Muslim empire, and that's going to come into play. In fact, Virtually everything between Europe and India is Muslim. It's good and bad depending on your point of view. I mean, point of view at the time. I'm only talking historical perspective here. If you're in the Middle Eastern areas, if you're in that area between Europe and India... It's dang good for you because the rise of Islam meant the rise of technological advances, of societies that just work better together. We've talked about this before. It's not an accident. Every empire of any significance in the history of mankind had a religion, period. Religion is how you organize your culture. It's how you decide what's right and what's wrong. You come up with religious traditions that actually help things. Uh, Muslims traditionally, very clean people. They view that, that's necessary in their religion. Do you think that maybe helps in a period of time where many people didn't bathe? You think maybe you're going to suffer from less disease than the next society over when you keep clean? Things like that. So they're advancing. However, if you're Europe, You're a Christian place, a Catholic place. Well, these dirty Muslims are getting pretty uppity over here, getting pretty powerful. And it is, look, everything's a power play, too, and we've talked about this before. 
I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this was all about religion. No, this is about Jesus. This is about Allah. That There was plenty of that mixed in, but a lot of this is simply about, well, what's it always about? Money and power. And during the crusades and the wars Europe had with the Muslim world, they got introduced to something, as happens when you take your armies and you travel long distances. You start to find out about other things, the bad and sometimes the good. And I'm not just talking about hot Egyptian chicks. I got introduced. Well, I'll tell you in a second. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Travel internationally, you get introduced to more than pretty palm trees and exotic women. In all seriousness, you get introduced to spices. We have had this conversation before. Let us have it again because you and I each need to wake up every single day and take a moment, take several moments throughout the day and count our blessings. I have had plenty of periods in my life where I didn't have money, to put it mildly, didn't have money and out of work. Pretty much every single one of those times in my life, I could still, at any moment, get up from my couch or beanbag chair, depending on how well I'm doing, walk over to the kitchen open up a spice-covered bowl of little things of spices. Chris, Jewish producer Chris, everybody knows, is the cheapest human being alive. He probably tries to grow his own. 
Chris, how many spices do you have in the home? Uh, roughly. Over 20. Chris has over 20 spices, and that's probably low. You're probably thinking, 20, I've got 50. Do you know how absurd that is? Do you know if you were to take, gosh, the king of Spain, the king of England, the sultan of this, of that, back then, I'm talking the guy with a with a harem, with ten castles, with an army, with everything else you could possibly imagine. He has he has slaves carrying him around town on a throne while pretty girls feed him grapes and fan him with palms. If you were to show him your not someone else, if you were to show him your spice cupboard, his jaw would hit the ground. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. I could just get salt? You have salt, like, right in the jar, as much of it as I want? Hold on. Pepper? You have garlic in powdered form, I can add? Get out. You think I'm joking? Chris is laughing, but it's true. It is true. I've told you this about water. You know, count your blessings, look at that glass of water. In old times... Before the world became so connected, in old times, food sucked. And the thing about food sucking is it's just one of those things you don't realize how bad it sucks until you find food that doesn't suck. My wife... She was born in America, but moved to Canada when she was very young and grew up in Canada. And my wife's family, very, very, very different from my family when it comes to food. I will tell you, her family, much healthier, not only physically, but mentally when it comes to food. Her family's like, ah, well, I mean, we'll eat whatever. Okay, let's get, get some ham or something. Very, very normal. My family has an unhealthy obsession with food. I bet you money. In fact, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send him a text message during the next break. Chris, remind me. I'm going to text my dad during the break and ask him. What's the date today? October 28th. I'm going to ask my dad today on October 28th what he's eating for Christmas dinner. And I guarantee you, within the hour, I will have a text back of all the things he's already he's already laid out. My dad knows today, as we speak, what he's going to eat for Christmas. That's unhealthy. But that's how I grew up. That's how I grew up. It was plans like that. The, the Kellys, we prioritize food big time. I've traveled all over with my dad for construction stuff. I can't and he can't tell you anything about any town we've ever been to except for he can tell you exactly which restaurant to go to and can tell you what to order when you get there. 20 years ago. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's uncanny. And you know I have an unhealthy obsession with food. I admit that. I, of course, I'm now the greatest restaurant orderer in the world. I am, Chris. Everyone knows it. So two different cultures, right? Two different cultures merge when I get married. I marry my wife, and this is no exaggeration. I've told you this before. If I would put 
a little black pepper on something, your standard black pepper, I don't mean the fancy stuff either, just standard stuff you buy in a jar, little black pepper on some Kraft mac and cheese. When we first got married, my wife would be chugging ice water with it of, oh my gosh, this is on fire. That's how bland the food was she was used to eating. I come home now. My wife has two or three different hot sauces out to eat whatever she's currently eating, just drowning it in hot sauces and peppers and spice. And she's making chicken for everyone. And I'm sitting there eating and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. And the boys are all my lips are on fire. And she says, I don't taste the heat at all. Jesse, do you taste it? And now, what has happened because of that? Now, you go back, you eat this person's this or this person's that, you always loved growing up, and all of a sudden, ah, it's a little, you guys have any hot sauce or or pepper or something? This is a little bland. You get used to certain things. When you're introduced to spice, When all of a sudden you find out what it's like to have pepper on your food, you don't go back. The demand for that goes through the roof. Well, you're only getting pepper over in India. And remember, this is pre-cross-ocean naval ships. Pull up your map. Let's do it together as we do every single day. Go ahead and look up India. You don't have to get you don't have to get specific with it. India. Here we go. India. There it is. Zoom out a little bit. Hmm. India to Spain and Portugal. Even zoomed completely out on my phone. Does not even fit on the same page. Breathe it in. Look at it. I really do want you to look at it because it can be closer if you don't. If you're in a place to look at it, look at India over to Portugal. Look, taking away the ocean, you can cross seas and things, but just land and sea. Take in exactly how much that spice has to travel to get to various places. Oh, and it's going up to England, too. Let's add another little English channel jaunt on the end of it. That is astonishing. So what happens when you have an invaluable natural resource and resource says there's a lot more than just pepper. I'm just simplifying things. When you have invaluable natural resources, everyone else in the world wants, you have to get them from India over to everywhere else. Well, You have to travel over lands. You have to travel through different nations. And just the same way it happens today with things like oil, I know a lot of oil millionaires who don't deal with pulling oil out of the ground at all. Getting it to and fro can make a lot of people a lot of money and if it's valuable enough you don't e- I'm not even talking about individuals or companies you can build powerful nations off of moving valuable commodities to and fro hang on
never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. All that land and a couple seas in between India and Europe was making a lot of empires very, very, very rich. They loved those spices coming on through. You know how it works. You know how economics works. Everybody gets a markup. Europe needs these spices. It's leaving India. Well, the guy growing the pepper ain't shipping the pepper. Takes her on down to the guy who's going to ship it somewhere, and he gets a markup. Gets paid for it. Guy marks it up. Cruises right along. After the markup, he sells it to a merchant who will take it through this territory. He has a deal with the with the local governor to take it through this territory. Boom, there we go. Oh, that governor's going to get his cut, too. Did I mention that? There's going to be a tax on it. Well, they can only take it as far as this sea where there will be another merchant. And this merchant will actually ship it across this sea to that sea. Boom, you just got another markup. Up, oh, we're on the other side of that sea. Different kingdom now. Are you seeing where I'm going here? Are you seeing where I'm going here? Spices moving between India and Europe across land and sea were making people fortunes. Back to Portugal. Portugal begins to explore, as you know, because you listen to my show. Portugal, all of a sudden, has advanced on the seas, on the high seas, past everybody else. They decide, we're going to be a water power. I love me some spices. I'd also like some colonies. In fact, I bet we could make a ship and sail it around the south portion of Africa and get over to India. And they begin to start that process. Now, you can say that just happened. Believe me, it was trial and error and trial and error and people dying and error. And then you're working your way down because just because they're a naval power doesn't change the situation on the ground. You can only haul so much fresh water. That was a big part. I mean, that's the main part. Fresh water and fresh food. They had plenty of food that wasn't fresh, but you guys got to have fresh food or your crew's going to get sick. And so what you do is you start working your way down the west coast of Africa 
starting little mini colonies there, and there are plenty of deadly encounters there with the various native tribes. But Portugal is an advanced nation at this point, and they're not running into advanced nations really in Africa. Africa was really, really a blast from the past. They, they, and, of course, the Europeans looked at them like barbarians. But, the, but they're bouncing their way down the west coast of Africa. Finally, they get a man. He gets around the Cape of Good Hope in the south of Africa. And this is a huge deal. Now, this guy. Let's just, let's just make this one guy for now. Sails around the west coast of Africa, loops on around the Cape of Good Hope. And I'm simplifying the story for just to give you the overall point of view. And he pops in the first Muslim port he can find. Already probably some tension there. Here we are. Catholic Portugal popping into a Muslim port. They haven't been getting along. But okay, not the end of the world. I, I actually personally am of the belief they could have overcome the Muslim Catholic thing. But what you're not going to be able to overcome is the, oh, man, I am Captain Portugal. And you know what? You guys aren't going to believe this. I appreciate you taking in my ship today. You aren't going to believe this. We just found a way around the Cape of Good Hope. We're actually planning on taking spices right from India and shipping them back to Portugal and cutting out all those middlemen. Isn't that sweet? Mm, actually, it's not sweet, as a matter of fact. In fact, I want you to die. They are running into conflict after conflict after conflict along the way. Some of these conflicts bloody as local leaders find out what is happening Wait, you sailed from where? What? And they're running into an extremely advanced Muslim world. The Portuguese are. Like I said, Africa wasn't. But the Middle East, uh, the Muslim world was very, very advanced. And these guys were super impressed and blown away by it. By everything except for one thing. The ships. You see, it just wasn't a necessity for the very, we're talking about the Egyptians and the Ottomans and people like that. It was not a necessity for them to have these gigantic trans-ocean vessels. They looked at the Portuguese sailing ships with awe. And look, for their world, these people, they had great ships. And then they got introduced to the whole new meaning of great ships. And the Portuguese, to their credit realized that these ships were probably going to be good targets for various nations. So the Portuguese went well beyond, again, a lot of this was trial and error, you learn the hard way, but they went well beyond the, well, we need lots of room for extra pepper. They started putting in things nobody had ever seen before, like a gun deck with a bunch of cannons on it. Oh, wait, that worked really well. Let's add another one. Ooh, I like that. Maybe another one. Soon, other people still have oars, and you have a floating fortress. Portugal gets clear over there. They are met with, obviously, plenty of resistance, but not all resistance. Some people were very interested. Well, great. I'll cut out the middleman too and just sell, put a little markup on it myself and hand it right to you and you load it on your ship. 
They get a foothold over there, and soon they find themselves surrounded by Muslims who are trying to eliminate them. Portugal gets word. They send over a naval fleet and blow these Muslims out of the water. And then they look around, and they think, oh, oh, wow. We have these super fortresses, and they can't do anything about it. So then they blow a lot of other people out of the water, and they just start to establish way more than a foothold. Hey, guess what? This is ours now. Do something about it. I dare you. Well, would you challenge? This is the same now as it was then. When you challenge a nation's existence by challenging what they base their economy on, there is nothing they won't do to stop you. What do you think a country like Saudi Arabia would do, will do, one day? When oil goes out of style? Now, we're not about there. Don't get me wrong. Don't believe all that green stuff. Nothing touches oil. Nothing's even close. But one day, something's going to. And I promise you this. Countries like Russia and Saudi Arabia, they will go to war over stopping that from happening. Because that's their existence. In fact, as horrible as war is, you can make the argument they're justified in going to war. What would you do to protect your very existence on the planet? Anything, right? The existence of you and all your people. So the Ottomans and the Egyptians, and just so you don't think this is only a Muslim thing, the Venetians, who were the Venetians were huge merchants. The Venetians were basically a trading empire, and they're getting rich off the spice trade too. They decide, along with the Ottomans and Egyptians, uh, this cannot be allowed to stand. You guys had better put these Portuguese in their place now, or we are all about to be absolutely finished. And they come up with a plan. Hang on. Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. I know you saw the news about the Dow. I don't want you to freak out, and I'm not going to do the I told you so thing. I'm simply going to tell you this. I lean on experts. I don't lean on my own knowledge. I lean on experts. And every finance guy I know, and I know quite a few because I enjoy talking to them, I find that field fascinating, every single one to a man says it is an uncertain time in the market. What you need to be seeking out right now is some safety. No, not pulling all your money out like an idiot. Not talking about that. You need to seek some safety, some backstops. There's nothing better than a gold IRA to diversify your portfolio. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. They will walk you through every step of the process. It couldn't be easier. The Jesse Kelly Show.
They come up with a plan, and the plan is this. The Ottomans, basically all the various Muslim places and the Venetians get together, and they decide, we need to get all of our ships, all of our best ships, and we need to take on these dirty Portuguese, and we need to do it right now. The Venetians do this thing. It's amazing how slow things go back in the day. I've always found this fascinating. The the Ottomans, like all these various Muslim countries, didn't know really because they were not shipping people. They didn't know a great way to get their ships over land. Oftentimes you had to get ships over land, big ones. Well, the Venetians did. Again, these were big-time trading people. The Venetians are in this to help them out. They helped them take apart their ships, and it takes them two years to get all these ships over and everything else, and they drop them all in the water, and they have this fleet. And here's what happens. The Portuguese have a man in charge of their very powerful fleets, although not very big, not a ton of ships, but uh, these are, I mean, like I said, gun decks in the works. And his name is Almeida. I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm not Portuguese, by the grace of God. Stop, Chris. His name is Almeida. He hears about this large Muslim fleet. He sends his son with a small scouting force over to check out this Muslim fleet. The Muslim fleet traps him, captures him, sinks him, gets a hold of Almeida's son's dead body, stuffs his body full of straw after skinning him, and ships that body back to the Ottoman Empire. Now, I'm a father. I have two sons. I hear stories like that, and I'm already ready to kill someone, and this was 500 years ago. How are you reacting if that's your son? It's not just that they killed him. A father like that with a son like that in charge of a small fleet would accept that there are certain risks. I mean, just being on the water back then. I may never see my boy again shipping out for a day. Storm comes in. Goodbye. But dying like that, And having your body disrespected like that created a level of anger in Almeida that hard to fathom. Now, the Muslims return and they hide in a harbor. They hide in a harbor over in Diu. This is called the Battle of Diu, D I U, if you want to look it up. Almeida actually has a commander, not that he did anything wrong, it's just his time was up, he has a commander sent to relieve him. Almeida takes the commander sent to relieve him and has him arrested because he will not give up command until he gets revenge for his son. Kind of cool, right? Almeida does not send a scouting force over to this harbor. Almeida sends his Portuguese fleet with him involved. 
They get to this harbor at Diu, and the Muslims greatly, greatly outnumber in ships the Portuguese. But it is honestly that this is the best way I can describe it. It is like it is like a, a primitive tribe with sticks facing on facing an army with muskets. That's what this is like. And it is really the equivalent to that. A battle ensues, and I almost, I don't even know why they call this a battle, but let me, you know what, let me just go ahead and break this down for you. I believe I have the numbers here. The Portuguese proceed to absolutely destroy almost every single ship in the Muslim fleet, and they lose about 32 men while they do it. The Muslims lose somewhere between three and 5,000 men, absolutely wiping the Muslim fleet off of the seas. Now, picture this moment in history. You are Almeida. You have the most powerful fleet on the seas, or at least the most powerful fleet for a long, long ways, and you're in the port of Diu, which was not a friendly port, What do you do? What does do you do? Um, I, I, picture, picture, picture you're a port city in America. Picture the entire U.S. Navy has just gone to the bottom of the ocean for some reason or disappeared overnight. And you have a bunch of Chinese battleships and attack subs in the harbor. What do you do? The answer is whatever they dang well ask. That's, that's what you do. DU, to their credit, realizes we are in quite a pickle here, and they just start throwing everything at Almeida. And when I say everything, whew, hang on, I'll explain. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Do you throws vast tons of money 
of jewelry at Almeida, and Almeida wisely sends that jewelry right on back to the Queen of Portugal. He's a man who knows where his bread's buttered. And then DU, in the all-time desperate move, like I said, what would you do? They offer Almeida DU. (laughs) They do. They offer him the city itself. He says no. He wants to remain on okay terms. Now, okay terms may be pushing it a little far. Because you remember, you remember the son Almeida had? You remember what the Muslims did just, just a few minutes ago? Remember what I told you the Muslims did with his dead body? The whole skinning and stuffing with straw thing. And Almeida had vowed revenge. Well, turns out he had taken some prisoners from the battle. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Yeah, it turns out Almeida. He didn't forget about the whole stuffing the sun with straw thing. The prisoners he captured. He had them what was called blown. He had them tied to the end of his cannons and then fired the cannons exploding the bodies into multiple, multiple pieces. They do say when you have uh, somebody tied to the end of a cannon and blow them up in this manner, their heads actually fly up into the sky. And maybe in one of the all-time great finales, Almeida then goes back And the guy who was supposed to take over for him that he locked up in jail, he says, all right, the fleet's yours now. Thanks. I'm out. And hands in the fleet and says, peace out and walks away. And what's amazing about this battle is virtually nobody has heard of it. And this battle is world changing. This put, this put Portugal on the map for over a century now. Portugal vaults up dominance, absolute dominance, because they just had cinched such a foothold on this trade. Now, a couple different things. One, there are reactions to things. And 
sides in conflicts, business, personal, political, national, whatever it may be, sides in conflicts should be mindful over how much they choose to abuse the other side because you ain't always wearing the power shoes forever. I'm sure you've seen tonight, well, last night, I should say, and the night before, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Brooklyn. I'm sure you've seen these Black Lives Matter protests, looting, shooting, just basic degeneracy. The Black Lives Matter disgusting domestic terrorist movement, which is exactly what it is. Not that I'm surprised because it's run by the biggest bunch of turds you've ever seen in your life. Boy, did they not do well with their moment in the sun. You remember a few months ago, George Floyd gets killed in Minneapolis. And all of a sudden, Black Lives Matter, who had been around, they'd been around killing cops, I should say, but they'd been around for a while. Black Lives Matter pops up, and they all of a sudden vault to not some side group the media is trying to ignore. They get vaulted up into national prominence like you can't believe. We have professional sports leagues with Black Lives Matter painted on the court in the end zone. Every athlete's talking about them, every celebrity. Virtually every single politician, like I told you yesterday, my my son's logging into his video games. There's Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. All of a sudden, they are nationally prominent. This could have been a big moment for them. And instead, they have used this moment to abuse and loot and murder. And maybe you can just say I'm putting a sunny face on things. But I think they have handled their moment in the sun so poorly, they ruined a brand. And they branded very well. Don't get me wrong. I always knew they were disgusting. They branded really, really well. Black Lives Matter, the name itself. Who doesn't doesn't think Black Lives Matter? Oh, they branded it well. And they ruined it. Repeated abuse. Repeated abuse. And now the percentage of population who thinks this group is anything but disgusting is very, very tiny. That's lesson number one for today. Lesson number two is this. How did Portugal have a century of dominance? What started that? They shouldn't have. They didn't have the land. They didn't have the natural resources. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. What they did have, though, was the foresight to realize the future of power in this world is not on the land. The future of power in this world, it's on the ocean. Take your territory, have your mountains, have your valleys, have your rivers, have your jungles, have your deserts. I will take the ocean, and I will dominate the ocean, and therefore I will dominate the world. 
We talk about this election. And it came out again yesterday, a Pennsylvania county wants the new justice, Amy Coney Barrett, to promise to recuse herself from any case involving the election coming up. And I did some digging into this last night. Do you know how many articles I've seen written by this person or that person calling for Amy Coney Barrett to recuse herself from anything involving the election? Let's pause there for a brief moment and think about this. Do you know how rare it is for the presidential election to go clear to the Supreme Court for any reason? Let's put it to you this way. It's happened once. Why do you think so many Democrats almost are acting like it's a foregone conclusion that this is going to the Supreme Court. Hmm. That's weird. Why would you? Who even cares what Amy Coney Barrett thinks about the election? She's on the Supreme Court, but man, you guys seem to be really, really, really concerned that she's on the Supreme Court. You even wanted to recuse herself. Why is that? I want the GOP to listen, and I want them to listen well. And I understand this isn't in your control. It's not in my control. Democrats have been planning on litigating this election for months and months and months now. They are planning on it. They have retainers in place. The lawyers are in place. Each and every swing state has multiple lawyers already on the payroll, already collecting information. If this thing is even close to being in doubt, this thing is going to be decided by the lawyers. Now, I know the GOP knows about this. If I know about it, they know about it. The question is, who is spending the money on the naval vessels and who's pretending things are just going to continue on the way it's always been? That is the question. Hang on. Newton Group Transfer, they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. 
and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer, they will help you out. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.